Hey guys, we're starting a brand new sermon series this month entitled Love Song, and I'm really excited about it, nervous, but yet excited, and we're going to be looking at the Song of Solomon this month. If none of you have ever read the Song of Solomon, I highly encourage you to, but what you'll probably end up doing, like, I can't believe that's in the Bible, is what your response will be. But uh, before I go any further, uh, I want to thank Tommy uh, for filling in for me last week. Literally last minute, I called him Saturday night late and said, can you jump in the pulpit for me? And, and that man did a phenomenal job. So I, I'm so, so appreciative of what he did and, and filling in for us. So we're starting this Song of Solomon. And, and just to give you a little bit of a, a background about it, this was written a thousand years before Christ was born. And, and there's two major perspectives on this book that people will tell you about. The first one, it's, it's an allegory. And what they say is it's a picture of God's love for Israel or, or Christ's love for the church. And the other way is just taking it as face value. And it's basically a love story between a man and a woman. And so that's where we're going to land today, watching this couple passionately pursue, honor, cherish, and value one another. But I want to tell you something today. If you're sitting there going, like, I ain't got a husband, I ain't got a wife, this don't have anything to do with me. Yes, it does. It really does. Because, listen, I believe this series is going to empower people to pursue the right kind of relationship. It can strengthen marriages. It can help you get ready to look at what I need to do, looking for a spouse. And man, let's say you are a widow or a widower. Listen, pay attention because then you can give some really good godly advice to those around you. So this is going to be for all of us. And I do want to tell you this. If you are a teenager, if you're in high school or above, pay close attention. Because I'm a firm believer that marriage and relationship education is important. And I don't think we do it enough. And they just go out there and wing it and hope that they get it right. So listen, I want you to pay attention too. Today we're going to start out with a verse that I truly do love. If I have performed your wedding ceremony or you've been to one I've done, I always throw this in there because I think it's so important. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and this is God's definition of love, okay? It's not that you love your car and you love Pop-Tarts. This is God's definition of love. It goes like this. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. And it keep no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. And if you read a few more lines down, it says this, love never fails, church. It doesn't fail. You might have to work extra hard at it, but it does not fail. Today, what we're going to be talking about in the sermon series, Love Song, we're going to be talking about attraction. Attraction. So if you're not married yet, let's say you're widowed again, pay attention uh, for your future maybe, or maybe you can help some people in your lives. So if you are single, listen to me, church, what qualities are you wanting to build within yourself to attract the right person? Building those qualities in yourself. And what qualities do you want to be attracted to in another person It could potentially be your spouse. And so if you're married, church, if you're married today, listen, if you're married, you need to build these qualities up to strengthen your relationship. Webster's Dictionary defines attraction as this, a quality or feature that evokes interest, liking, or desire. So today we're going to look at four qualities 
that can attract you to the right kind of person from the Song of Solomon or the Song of Psalms, songs some of your Bibles will say. And so the very first one, church, the very first characteristic, the very first quality that we're looking at is this. Look for godly character. Look for godly character. This is the most important thing in any single relationship. And so what we're going to do is look at Song of Solomon chapter 1. And this woman right here in these verses, what she's doing is she's saying this about her man. So if you'll turn there with me to Song of Solomon in chapter 1. We'll start in verses 2 and 3. She says this, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like a perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. (laughs) So this chick's telling her husband, she's like, yep, all those girls are after you, and, and here's why. What does this mean? Well, the perfume that she's referring to here, church, is this. It would have been something that was very rare. It would have been something that was very expensive. And what is very rare and very not common during this time is this. It was taking a bath. (laughs) During biblical times, they did not take a bath that often, all right? And I know how I am. I have a little bit of self-awareness about me. Let's say I skip a shower two days in a row, and I'm working outside church camp. It happens. I'm just being honest with you. I'm outside working. It's the middle of summer, 90 degrees. I can smell myself. I can smell myself, and I hope that you have some self-awareness as well, that you can smell yourself. But this woman, what she was saying right here, she's saying this perfume is so rare, it's so expensive, but listen, it was costly, but what it would do is it would make you more presentable to go out in public because you didn't take a bath. That's what it was, and she was telling like, you smell good. You know, it was this perfume they would just put on themselves because I can't get a bath today, so I'm going to put this perfume on. I want to smell good. For those who are in junior high, that's called Axe Body Spray. (laughs) They believe you do not have to take a shower. You just put some Axe Body Spray on. It covers you, right? You know what I'm talking about. so, So she's saying right here, your name is like this. She's saying your name is rare. Your name is expensive. It's like purified oil. And so in other words, what she's saying, church, is she's saying, my man, you got godly character. You've got some godly character. This is what she liked about her man. Church, do you realize there's character and reputation? And these are two different things. Usually people kind of confuse them a little bit. There's character and there's reputation. Reputation is what other people think about you, right? Someone will say, well, you got a really good reputation. That just means that that's what everybody else thinks about you. But character is who you really are. That's what character is. It's who you really and truly are in your heart. It's who you know you are. It's who God is knows that you are. That's what character is. And she is saying, hey, it's no wonder. It's no wonder all those girls like you, my man, because you got godly character. That's why they're attracted to you. Notice it wasn't because, you know, that, that, that he just had it all going on. You know, it, it wasn't like that at all. It was because his name was good. It's because his character was solid. He, he was known as somebody who loved God and who was seeking after God. And that made him attractive to her. So the very first quality that is mentioned here is character. And church, 
I want you to get this today. The very first thing that should attract us is godly character. Now, we do live in a world, it seems like everybody's just worried about the facade, right? They're just worried about what is on the outside. And there's a lot of people, they will even sacrifice just because what's on the outside and don't worry about what's on the inside just because they like to hang out with that. But the very first thing that should attract you to someone's godly character, and listen, if you want a godly marriage one day, if you want a godly marriage one day, you've got to live a godly life today. You really do. You want a godly marriage someday? You need to start living a godly life today. And this is where you start. You start with a godly character. A godly character. You know, I hear girls say all the time, you know what? that you want a Christian guy. I hear that. I hear girls say all the time, I want a Christian guy, but the problem, they they tell me, you know, the problem is that I seem to attract the wrong guy all the time, the wrong kind of guy. You know, I'm always attracting that guy that only has his mind on one thing. And, And listen, listen, if you don't like the kind of fish that you're catching, I want you to look at the bait that you're using, church, for real. If you don't like the kind of fish you keep catching, you need to start looking at the bait that you're using because it's very true. That's how it works. And so, guys, if you're saying, you know, you want a really good girl, you want a godly girl, then you need to be a good godly man. If you're saying you're looking for that, don't you dare hold someone to a higher standard and just saying you can do whatever you want. You be a good godly man. So if you're attracting the wrong kind of people, then you got to think about this. Where are you trying to get them? I had a girl not too long ago in my office, and she, she, I felt bad for her. She really was struggling, and she was telling me, like, I just can't seem to find a good guy. And I'm like, well, where are you, where are you looking for this guy at? Well, me and my friends, we go to the club, and, and we're doing this. <laughs> you aren't going to find him there. Ladies, you're not going to find that good godly man that you're looking for there. Now, I'm going to sound like I'm 92 years old right here, right now. You know, I know where you're kind of good godly man. Go to church. You'll find them at church. And men, we need to be those godly men. We do. So, so if you're attracting to those, those wrong types of people, you got to look at where you're looking for them. I promise you, if Christ is first in every area of your life, you're writing stuff down, you really should write this down. If Christ is first in every area of your life, it's going to affect the way that you carry yourself. It's going to affect the way you carry yourself. It's going to impact the way you dress. Ladies, are you listening to me today? It's going to impact the way that you dress. It's going to impact the the places that you go to. It's going to impact the people that you hang out with. If Christ is first in every area of your life. See, because when godly character reigns in your life, it's true. Ungodly people aren't going to want to be with you. (laughs) They're not going to want to be with you. So like is going to attract like. The way that you are, that's what you're going to attract. And see, great relationships, great marriages, isn't finding the right person. I hear people say all the time, I want to find my soulmate. I want to find that right person. Listen to me. The great relationships and great marriage isn't about finding the right person, church. It's about being the right person. You got to be the right person if you want that. You become godly and you will attract godly. 
That's the way it works. Become the person that you're looking for. That's what you need to do. You need to become the person that you're looking for. So it starts with godly character. Above all else, church, it's this. You know, you have this attitude. I want to seek first. The Bible says this. I want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 6.33. It says, seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And then he says, then the rest will fall right in place. And then all these things will be added to you. So remember, don't pursue just a spouse. You pursue Christ. And then the Bible tells you everything else will be added. So church, it starts with godly character. That's the first one. The second one is this. In this relationship, it's growing trust. Growing trust. If you do not have trust in your relationship, you seriously don't have anything. You don't, you don't have anything. So this couple here in the song, uh, Solomon, they're, they're, they're kind of getting to know each other. You know what I'm talking about? They're, they're opening up about their insecurities. They're, they're loving each other through those insecurities. And this is a way, church, that you place trust. So in Song of Solomon, chapter one, look at verse five with me. She says this, this is her. She says, dark am I, yet lovely daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kadar, like the tents, the tent curtains of Solomon. Church, in today's society, man, we, we look at it this way. If you got a tan, you look good, right? Seriously, you go to the beach and you come back and I was like, where's your tan, right? They're, they're like wanting to know what happened to you. Why don't you have a tan? You know, people pay a lot of money. They'll go to tanning beds to look darker. You know, they'll even buy one and put it in their home because they want to look darker, right? It, it's a society the way we are today. But back then, it was different. See, this woman was feeling, she had some insecurity. She's like, I know I would look better for you if I was lighter skinned. She said, it meant that she didn't, when you had lighter skin back then, it meant that you didn't have to be out in the fields all day long working. So you kind of had like a princess kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? You didn't have to be out there doing hard labor and, and, and her skin, it wasn't abused by the sun. So light skin was more attractive than a tan back then. And check out what she says in verse six. This is where it gets very real for her. She says, don't stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. Listen, how many of you ladies, when you have something insecure and you think your husband's looking at it, you're like, quit looking at me, right? You don't want someone zeroing in on your imperfections. You don't. And so she's saying, don't stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards, my own vineyard I had to neglect. So she's blaming on her brothers. (laughs) Her own vineyard, she meant herself. She had to neglect herself because she had to work hard. Church, she's revealing her insecurities to him and what we'll see In this chapter, we will see that he loves her insecurities away. To where, baby, it don't matter to me. It doesn't matter. I love you for who you are. And so you'll see in here, that's what he does. He loves her insecurities away. And church, when you are in a relationship, when you're in a relationship with someone, you, you know, you open up, right? You eventually kind of tell your insecurities. Here's what I'm afraid of. Here's, here's what I don't like about myself. And, and, and people, we, we start with those physical insecurities. If I handed out a mirror to everybody today, I guarantee you we could all look at it and be like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this, right? You'll pick yourself apart. You don't like all so many things about your physical appearance. 
And most people, they start with these physical insecurities, and then they show their emotional insecurities next. You know, we all don't like something about our body. Like, I don't like being too skinny. I don't like having big ears. You know, I don't like having not enough hair, right? All these insecurities. I don't like chicken legs, right? We have all these insecurities, but church, when you find somebody, when you find someone who will love you through those insecurities, then there is this increasing trust as you head in the right direction. You begin to trust each other more. So we have godly character. We have growing trust. And the third quality that we want and that we see and that we need to look for, and this is a big one, church, it's higher standards. Higher standards. Check out Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 7. It says, tell me whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? I want to stop her. This is the woman saying this to the man. And I want you to understand what this means. A veiled woman, back then they were known to give themselves to men for a price. They were prostitutes. And so she's saying, why should I be like a veiled woman? around your friends. She's like laying it out there. She's saying that, you know, I'm not going to be like that. She's straight up, I'm not going to be like that. Other girls, they might do some of those things. I'm not going to. Higher standards. There's some things I'll do, and there's some things I won't do to get a person's attention. That's what she's telling her man. See, there are higher standards. There are different standards here. What I'm about to say next, church, you might think it's old-fashioned, even archaic. But when it comes to sexual relationships, God has established very clearly. Church, there's no bones about it. He establishes very clearly it is reserved for a marriage. See, in today's society, even in the church, we'll focus on all these things over here, but we're kind of like, we'll maybe even giggle with that one over there. Like, ah, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to give that up. He, he says it very clear. It's reserved for marriage. You know, everyone else might be having sex when they're dating. She's saying. And for us, it's the same thing, church. We have a choice to make. We do. We have a choice to make. You have two options, only two options. When it comes to this area, you have two options for sexual issues in a dating relationship. And it says, number one is this. You can honor God together. Listen, remember, I told you God has standards This is reserved for marriage. So there's number one, you can honor God together. People might make fun of you. They might think you're stupid, but you choose to honor God together. You're you're just just saying, we're going to establish this right now. Like she's telling, why am I? I'm not going to be like that. You choose to honor God together. And the second option you have is this. You choose to sin together. You're choosing to sin together. Those are your options. That's it. Those are your options. You honor God together or you sin together. Why is this important? It's like this, church. Because you're building a foundation upon which your marriage will stand. Listen to me. You're building a foundation on which your marriage will stand. If you choose to sin together, and a lot of people do, you will need to understand that you're marrying a compromiser. You're marrying a compromiser. 
who knows that you also are a compromiser. So years later in your marriage, you might think, I, I, I wonder if that person will compromise again because they compromised with me. So it creates this mental stuff that will float around your head. And so when you go on to your honeymoon, let me just tell you what it'll be. It's just going to be another night at the office. That's all it's going to be. There's nothing special about it. It's just another night, another day. So you, church, can choose to be different. If you want what everyone else has, a lot of screwed up relationships out there. Do what everyone else is doing. There's a lot of mess out there, but if that's what you want, a mess, then you do it like the world. But if you want something better, if you want something different, you wait. You wait. You maybe have been married 15 years, and you made mistakes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand. You ask God for forgiveness, literally. You ask God for forgiveness. Don't let the past weigh you down. You need to move forward. You need to, to, to say to him, like, we're sorry we messed it up. But listen, you now say, okay, now the rest of my life, I'm going to have higher standards. You know, we want to build a relationship, not a relationship that's built on sinning together. We want a relationship that is built on what God has called us to do. And we honor him together. So church, we have godly character. We have growing trust. We have higher standards. And here's the fourth one. Man, this is one I think the world needs to hear this a lot more. It's called consistent encouragement. In your relationship, there needs to be consistent encouragement. Now, remember what I told you about earlier on in chapter one. This girl, she had some serious insecurities about how dark she was, about her skin. Check out verse nine with me. Song of Solomon Chapter 1, verse 9, she says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. That's what he said. Church, he just called his wife a horse. I don't recommend that today, okay? It has a different, you won't get no points whatsoever. You look, baby, you look like a horse. You ain't going to get nothing out of that, I promise you. You're not. But, but there's some cultural explanation here for you. See, a horse, this horse would have been a white horse that pulled Pharaoh's chariot. And it was thought to be the most highly esteemed animal in the kingdom. So he was saying, you know what, babe? You are completely up here. You are the top of the pile. You are amazing. You are to be cherished. You are to be honored. You are to be esteemed. And back then, people even thought white horses were heavenly. And so he's saying, man, you think your skin is burned? I see you as the most prized possession in this kingdom. That's who you are to me. I love who you are, honey. I love everything about you. So he, he's encouraging her. He's encouraging her. And listen, if you're in a relationship, you really need to, to be encouraging each other. You need to be building each other up. You're going to have moments. Listen, you are. I'm not dumb. I live in the world too. I'm married. Sometimes we say things to each other that we shouldn't. But there should be way more encouraging conversations than discouraging conversations in your relationship. And listen, as you're building each other up, you are growing closer to God and growing in security with each other. If you, church, listen, you want to have consistent, consistent encouragement in your relationship. Men and women... Both need this. 
We both need it. It's not just girls, you're like, honey, you need to encourage me all the time, but I don't have to encourage. No, vice versa. It can't be that way either. We both need it. Do you know a man's greatest need, man's greatest need, the world will tell you it's sex. That's not true. It's high up there. But the man's greatest need is affirmation that you're amazing. Honey, you're, you're, you're fantastic. You're so strong, right? You're so handsome. A man's greatest need is he needs to be affirmed, right? Why, why do you think when you're a little boy, man, he's playing sports, he's always turning around. He, he wants you to affirm him when he does something. He's looking for you first. He wants to know if you saw it because he wants you to say, man, that was awesome. Greatest thing I ever saw. And a woman's greatest need, church, is to feel loved and secure. A woman needs to feel loved. She needs to feel secure in that relationship. And I'm going to just shoot off on a side note here for every single one of you men who have girls. Your daughter might be 40 years old right now. You need to tell her how great she is. You need to tell her she's beautiful. My oldest granddaughter, Charlie Kate, I tell her every single time I see her, I'll say, Charlie, has Papa ever told you how beautiful you are? She goes, every single time you see me. (laughs) But you know what? She's going to remember that I told her every single time. And that way, some scumball dude and could be the first one coming along telling her she's beautiful because he has other intentions. I want her to understand her self-worth. And her dad does the same thing. Tells her that she's beautiful. Women need to feel loved, and they need to feel secure in a relationship. We both need that affirmation. Check out what happens here in Song of Solomon chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. And he says this to her. He says, How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. I wouldn't use this language today, okay? I wouldn't. But you figure it out. And then in verse 16, here's what she says. She says, how handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. Our bed is verdant. See, they are talking about these physical attributes. And these can be important. They really can be very important. Guys, listen, we might not feel Like, we are the best-looking guys in the world. But women, listen, you are amazing because you know what? It's wild. Guys, when you lay down your life to love her, when you lay down your life to love her, when you cherish her, when you value her, when you make her feel loved, when you make her feel secure, I want to tell you, you are smoking hot to her. You are. She thinks you're amazing. Because that's how girls operate. And when you love a woman, and she is created by God, she's going to give that love back to you in ways that you could never earn, church, and you certainly don't deserve it. So let me, let me show you how she is going to respond to this love. Number one, first thing is this, she will feel special. Song of, Song, Song of Solomon chapter 2. Verse 1, it says this, or verse 2. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says this. It says her. She says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valley. And he says this, like a lily among thorns is my darling among young women. She's saying, you know what, you make me feel like the most special woman on earth is what she's saying. 
And he's saying, girl, all them others are nothing but a bunch of thorns. You are the flower here, right? He's telling her she's special. Chapter one, remember, she felt insecure. Chapter two, she feels special because he loved her through those insecurities. He adored her. He cherished her. He made her feel loved. He made her feel secure. And a woman's greatest need, I already told you, church, is to feel loved and secured. And one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your women, men, listen to me, is a gift of security where she always feels safe in your relationship. One thing I struggle with really bad, and my wife is, after 13 years of being in ministry, she's, she's settled in, okay? She'll call me, when are you going to be home? I'll be home in 10 minutes, babe. We live three minutes up the hill. That gives me seven minutes to pack up. One hour later, I roll into the house. Never once has my wife looked at me and goes, where you been? Who are you with? Who are you talking? Let me see your phone. I want to look at your phone. You know why? Because she feels loved. And she feels secure in our relationship. She knows. I, ain't, I got a prize, guys. <laughs> I'm not out looking for anything. She knows. She is secure in our relationship. Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 3, she says this, Like an apple, tre- like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. For all you fellows that read Song of Solomon and you act like seventh grade boys, you will definitely see a lot of things in there that maybe isn't the way it's supposed to be. That's just a side note there, okay? Let's get back to it. (laughs) What was she concerned about, right? She was concerned about her skin. But she was saying, you know what? I feel safe in his shade. She's saying, I feel secure. I feel safe when I'm with him. I know everything is all right. And and man, I believe with all my heart that your role, listen to me, guys. You got to listen to this. I believe with all my heart, your role, your role in her life is very important. And your role is to this, is three things. You are her pastor. Listen to me, fellas, you lead. Number two, you are her provider. Get a job. You need to be working. Number three, you are her protector. You protect her physically and emotionally. I want to break that down for a minute. Pastor, you are your family's pastor. And here's how it is. You set the pace. I'm tired of men sitting in the chair. I really am. You should be up and moving and running. You set the pace for that family. So you lead, right? You lead your family to Christ, right? You pray over the meals. Men, that is a privilege. You pray over the meal for your family. You take her to church. It shouldn't be like she's dragging you to church. You take your wife and your children to church. You set the tone. You make God a priority in your house. Men, we set the standard. You are the pastor of your family. Number two, you are the provider. I already told you, you get a job. You support your family. You support them. And here's what you do, too. You be a tithing family. You can say, of course, you're going to say, preacher, you want more money in the offering plate. This is for you. The Bible says God will bless you beyond measure. And he says, test me in it. Only time God says, test me. Usually he says, do not test the Lord your God. He says, test me in that. You give me your top 10%, I will bless you beyond measure. Go ahead, try me. Try me. You teach your family to tithe, church. Church, 
You live in your means. Men, you're the provider. You live in your means. You want a freaked out woman? <laughs> you want a woman that's so stressed out and nervous? You let her worry about your finances. It'll freak her out. And the third one is this. You are her protector. You lay down your life to protect her. Not just physically. That's easy. <laughs> you got one life. You can give it up, right? I'm talking about more importantly, you protect her heart. And sometimes you're going to be the one who breaks it. But you go back in and fix it. You protect her heart. And here's what happens when you do the Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Last verses we're going to read here, I think. I don't, yeah. Verse 5 and 6. <laughs> All you seventh grade boys out there, strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples. For I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. I had a couple. I had to stop right there, and I wrapped up the service of the first one. We were out of time. We got a couple extra seconds in here. And they came up to me after church and said, strengthen me with raisins. I guess I'll go out and buy my husband a case of raisins. I ain't going to tell you said it because she begged me not to. And she goes, what does that mean? They're in their 60s. And I said, Actually, in biblical times, raisins was an aphrodisiac. And she's saying, give me a lot of them. <laughs> so, I, so I told her husband, I said, she's getting you some raisins, buddy, right after church. <laughs> That's what it means. But if you look at the end of that verse 6, it says, his left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. He's holding her up, propping her up. Man, that is your job. It's your job. Straight from God's word, it is your job. So there's godly character, there's growing trust, there's higher standards, there's consistent encouragement. In church, we are called, men especially, you are called to lay down your lives. We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And do you know what he did? He gave up everything for the church. And men, that's what we're called to do. I know it ain't fair sometimes, but that's what you're called to do. So we don't want, church, what everybody else has. Look at the world. You don't want that. I'm telling you, you don't. So we're not going to do what everyone else is doing. So today I pray that God's going to do some healing work in some relationships that are sitting here. So as the praise team comes up here this morning, as we get ready to wrap up this service, I want you to understand the most important part of this sermon that I gave to you today is godly character. Godly character. Church, if you want to live a godly life in the future, then you live a godly life today. You live a godly life today because you can't have godly character on your own. You just can't. You don't have it in you. The only way that you can have godly character is through the strength it is brought to us through a right relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only way you're going to have godly character. See, you can never work your way to God. Can't do it. The only way is by Christ in us and through us so that we can conform to his image, so that we can be made in, in, in his likeness. So this morning, if you want to be godly, 
If you want to have godly character, you've got to submit your life to Jesus Christ. And there might be some of you who are sitting here right now. There's something's pulling you. I'm talking about something is pulling you in the direction of God, and that is his Holy Spirit. He's telling you, like, listen, I got something for you. And church, when you submit yourself to him, and it comes from just admitting your sins, <laughs> we struggle with that, don't we? We don't like to ever admit that we're wrong. You admit that you are sinful, that you've fallen short of the glory of God, like it says in Romans chapter 3. And you're saying, I'm done with this. I can't do it on my own. And you surrender it all to Christ. You confess those sins to him, ask for forgiveness. You invite Jesus into your heart. And then you follow him in Christian baptism and church. The Bible says he will make you brand new. Brand new. Different. Living a different life. Living a godly life. And so for you, if anyone is feeling this one, you come forward today. Let us share that with you. We'll pray with you. We will explain it to you. If all you feel is God pulling you and calling you, you come forward. We will teach you the rest. And for the rest of you who have fallen short, for you believers who are sitting here today, you're like, man, I don't live up to any of that. Listen, God gave you breath today. You can start brand new today. God is a God of many chances. You ask for forgiveness, say, Lord, I'm ready to move forward. And he will strengthen you in that. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I really and truly want to encourage you to respond this morning.